This week on the show, we have an interview with Michael W. Lucas about his SNMP and TLS books that he's writing or has written. Uh, Cashflow for Creators is also what he's talking about, a little bit of a side project of his, but nevertheless important these days. And we have our, uh, he has a book sale going on and we provide you with all the links and information that you uh, should look at and maybe get interested in that. So all of this in this interview of ESD Now. BSD Now, episode 378, Network Nomicon, recorded for the 18th of November 2020. This episode of BSD Now is brought to you by Tarsnap. Go to tarsnap.com slash bsdnow for the online backup for the truly paranoids. Hello, our little grouges dogs or people listening to us, whatever you are. Uh, I'm your host, Benedict Heuschling. And I'm Alan Jude. Welcome to this special episode that we have recorded for you. We have yet another interview with Michael W. Lucas. He's telling us all the cool things that he's been doing while staying at home. Little spoiler alert, writing books. And so we're kind of interested in listening what he has to say. This week, we have a recurring guest of you, of ours, which we always love to have on the show. Michael W. Lucas, famous author of BSD books and also fictional books. So that should certainly be something for everyone in there. And he will be talking to us or with us about his latest projects. Hello, Michael. Welcome back once more to this show. Hi, Benedict. Hi, Alan. It's great to be back. Yes, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. I think almost a year. Ah, a perfect. Year. Yeah, yeah. perfect timing for refreshing our audience and us with what you've been up to lately. Most of what I've been up to, uh, let's see. I want to say I haven't got much done this year, but uh, the SNMP book is out now. The TLS book, I'm hoping to finish a first draft by the end of the month, which should be doable if nothing horrible happens. But that's basically a dare for the universe. <laughs> uh, on a, a slightly different note, I had the uh, my book on cash flow came out earlier this year, and I have a novel next month. So I guess I'm more productive than most this year. Right. That's still something. Well, like you said, you know, travel is often the thing that, that eats up your time because it's a bunch of time before preparing and then actually traveling and then recovering from traveling. Yes. Yes. Th this whole lockdown this year has been really not much of a change yeah for some people it's just yet another year doing the same all over yes yes <laughs> okay but let's go through these things you mentioned uh one by one so let's start with the snmp book so i heard it's called something else well well i've got a couple different editions of that one mm -hmm. there there's the usual snmp mastery it is the longest mastery book I've written. It's almost, it, it's about one and a half times the length of one of the ZFS books. Ooh. Mm -hmm. 
and it's full of the usual uh, this is how it works and the uh, how to set up your own traps if you should set up your own traps how SNMP works ASN1 and all that fun stuff and and I I had a little fun with this one because SNMP is one of those topics that has been around for a long time the it re replaced an older protocol called the gateway management protocol and it was written at a time when we had not yet decided that a byte was always eight bits that's been a while yeah <laughs> yes it's been quite a while so when you dig into SNMP, you realize it exposes all sorts of things from the old days of computing that most people don't realize. It shows you some fairly hideous things from the dawn of com computing. It, and, and it lets you reach into these core systems and discover the mysteries of the universe or totally destroy your system one or the other mm. <laughs> it really is like something out of an hp lovecraft story ah so i i did a special edition for the great old ones for the great old ones it's called the network nomicon <laughs> excellent <laughs> it's this, it, it's full of, it's the same book. It's the exact same book, except it has library stamps from the Miskatonic University Library of Computer Science. Uh, it has little touches here and there to give it a, a certain cosmic horror feel. <laughs> and it has this fantastic grimoire dust jacket. And I... Uh, and inside of that, it actually has a second layer of art on the hardcover. Oh, wonderful. And, so, and it's really just kind of fun. I, I made it mostly as a gift for the sponsors. So yes, if you, if you look through, there, there are stamps from Miskatonic University uh, Library that say things like, do not re remove from vault, do not implement do not read <laughs> and uh, of course uh, th this is the only book that I've deliberately raised the price of because the opportunity to charge 6666 was <laughs> uh, <sighs> I couldn't resist I'm sorry folks <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so this is not just for the um, the sponsors, so everyone can get this if e they like. Everyone can get it, but it mm -hmm. was sent out as a, a when someone sponsors a book, I don't promise them a copy of the book. I promise them a gift. And what that gift is can be, realistically, it's Probably some kind of copy of the book, but what I've done may or may not be what you expected. <laughs> what you paid for? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember the, uh, I think it was the Canadian edition of 
uh, ZFS Mastery that I got at BSD Can as a gift one year. Mm, eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one that I, I sadly put the wrong French on the cover of, and I've learned my lesson there. But <laughs> so if, if you if you are a, a fan of uh, horror, spooky, dark stuff, you can have your SNMP book as the Network Nomicon. It, it's the sort of thing that an author really can only do once. Right. It's a lifetime so, yeah. Once in a lifetime thing. Right. Well, wonderful. And I guess the book grew as you were writing it, or did you expect it to be that big? Well, I really wanted to write a short book. <laughs> End of story. But really, really. But SNMP is huge, and it's old, and it's arcane, and regardless of how much work I want to do, I have to cover the topic properly. Mm. That is why y'all buy my books. Oh, yes. Yeah. Among well, the At least it wasn't reasons. as bad as the jails book where you had to write five other books first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that, that was a, a triumph of ambition and, and not so much of, well, let's just say I was really, really glad to be done with the jails book. Hmm. I, I was thrilled to have an option to write anything else. And so you decided to punish yourself with SNMP and TLS? Well, no, I, I have reasons for working on, T on TLS now. Ah. I already had all of the X509 and ASN1 crap loaded into my brain from the SNMP book. Ah, makes sense. And yeah. if I had to page okay. all of that out to do something out and then to do something else and then page it back in, that that would just be excruciating. My yeah. my paging algorithm is, is very primitive. Yeah, I'm, why I'm, torture yourself two times? Yeah. And now with with let's with let's encrypt and acme uh they've really changed the tls landscape and yep there there's so much ignorance about what tls really is and how it really works and most of the well, tutorials it's just, it's kind of changed so much from when it was ssl through each different version and then you know, there's all this stuff they're proposing to add, but isn't necessarily there yet. And... Yes. Yeah, it's it's a tangled, complicated mess. But... Well, you know, the same is true of SNMP. Like, I remember when I was a junior sysadmin thinking SNMP was just a read-only thing you did to monitor stuff. And then when I learned that you can write to it and configure the switch or the router via SNMP, I was like... That seems evil. <laughs> there, there are times you want to do that, though. Yeah. I've, I've been on networks where a circuit is flooded. There's no way to SSH to the router. But if you can get a single SNMP packet through to say, shut this interface. Hmm. And 
cut off that traffic and preserve the rest of your network. Or at least buy you some time. Uh, I think it was, what, 1997? I, en I encountered a Bay Networks router that was configured entirely by SNMP. There was no <laughs> command line. And I, I realized then that that was a beautiful idea that did not survive contact with the real world. I wanted it to work. I really wanted it to work. It didn't work. Yeah, so... But nowadays, you would use SNMP to just monitor and gather data from a uh, system, or just for Well, you can do all, all sorts of things with it. Lots of monitoring. Monitoring hmm. is where I would definitely start. Hmm. And the hard part with monitoring is deciding what you want to monitor. Yeah, I can pull out out of a basic small BSD VM. I can pull a thousand characteristics out of the system with with just a an SNMP walk, and my gut reaction is to graph everything. <laughs> yeah, because you can. Because you <laughs> not can. because you should. And and well, deciding and then... what you want is very hard. Right. And then you multiply that by however many hundreds of VMs you have. And suddenly your network starts to look a lot like Alan's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because, you know, I think I made it worse. In uh, FreeBSD 12.2, I added, uh, backported a feature from newer ZFS that gives you a bunch of stats about each individual ZFS data set. So you can see the number of bytes that have been read and written and the number of read and write IOPS per data set for each data set and from SysCTL. From a SysCTL. So you're, that you could either, is that plugged into BS and MPD? Or I don't think so, but it could be. Because it would be pretty trivial, and I, I do this in the book, you can write a either a shell script or a Perl script or something to pull stats, to, to run commands on the system and feed them back out by SNMP. <laughs> so yep. you could monitor... Discover and graph every individual data set. You and, could. you know, in a situation like mine or a bunch of other people I know, if each customer has a data set, you can now tell which customer or which VM is causing all that usage on your system. You know, why are my disks so busy? It's that guy's fault. Yes. <laughs> I yes. feel him more. And and that's that's a wonderful thing to know. But you have to be very selective. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, well, I have 400 data sets, and now we have, you know, four main stats plus the name so that's like five dimensions times 300 now that's 1500 stats and we want to pull them how often <laughs> yes that's and they're counters so we need to know the value from before to compare it to oh and yes so, and, and we want to pull it how often yeah and you want to save it forever yeah and drill down and, <clears throat> and it's like you never know how long 
You never know which of those stats is going to be the one you need six months from now or (laughs) how far back you're going to need to be able to go to tell when the problem started. And whatever stat you're monitoring, it's the one that solved the previous problem, not the one you're having now. Yeah, right. Those I filtered out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it's a... It's a great tool for visibility. You get so many options and it's just another way in which sysadmins are doomed. Which of course is is why I use the the horror theme for this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's very fitting. So did you feel bad then when you had to do TLS and you didn't have a horror theme left to use? At times, yes. However, I think writing part of the the every time I write one of these tech books, I for the last five years or so, I I have some pop culture motif I play off of in some way, just for my own amusement. Some of these topics really are dreadfully dull. Nobody really wants to know about sudo, but you know, some Monty, Monty Python gags help. And this, combining TLS with horror and 2020s and, and the United States would be too much. So this time I'm using The Princess Bride. No. <laughs> that adds a nice amount of levity to a topic that could sorely use it. it. It really does. I mean, we... And there are aspects where it fits far too well. Uh, for example, the, the whole distinguished name, or sorry, the common name in the subject of your certificate. Well, that was declared obsolete 20 years ago. It was supposed to stop being used in 2011. (laughs) It turns out that CN is only mostly dead. So (laughs) that that was yesterday's bit. (laughs) Yeah, things in IT uh, tend to stay around longer than you originally anticipated. Oh, yes, yes. But CN has been around... It was only valid for five years from 1995 to 2000 so Mm. they knew it was a problem pretty quickly and here we are (laughs) and and it's been zombieing around for four times longer than it was a thing yeah that's kind of you know the problem with trying to deprecate something on the internet right yes Yes. I mean, uh, I, I admire the whole principle of least astonishment approach that a lot of the BSDs use. But that also has a dark side. And sure. It's, well, and it's, it's kind a, of like, you know, that, that other mantra of the internet where it was, you know, uh, be liberal in what you accept, but strict in what you output. It's like, well, it turns out for security, we really don't want to do that. Oh, right. It, that, that is 
death in TLS. If, if you're running anything other than TLS 1.2 or 1.3, you are in trouble. You, you got to turn that old stuff off. And I think browsers now have deprecated everything. I think most of them only support back to one point TLS 1.1. I think that's correct, yes. Mm. I, I remember yeah. when you used to have to manually enable TLS 1.0 in Internet Explorer because it defaulted to SSL 3. Yes, yes. <laughs> SSL 3 from 1999. Oh. I guess the other early memory I have of SSL was from my intro to Unix class, I think it was, uh, back in like the first year of college. Um, and one of the things we had to do was download and compile Lynx, the text-based web browser, Ooh. to have support for TLS. Yes. <laughs> so you needed like Perl and stuff. But then <clears throat> there was no certificate store, right? Like the, the CANSS route from Mozilla didn't exist yet because right. Mozilla wasn't really a thing yet. You know, so there was this arcane procedure of go to your Windows XP machine and start up Internet Explorer 6 and go into the advanced security stuff and export the certificate store as a file. Mm. And you would get this DER encoded file. And then there was this OpenSSL command. <laughs> it's like inform dir outform pem dash print underscore certs in, in oh, uh, all this magic yes. to convert it into a single .pem file that you could then put in the right place and OpenSSL would validate Google or whatever website you were going to and be like, that's actually a trusted certificate. Yes. Ah, those were the days. <laughs> so we had to learn all about how that worked. And we had the terrible example that our school used a self-signed certificate for the, the learning management system. Of course they did. Why, Why would not? they not? So the first thing they were teaching all of the students was to just ignore that this is not a valid SSL certificate warning. Mm. And it's fine. eventually we got to learn why that was a bad thing. <laughs> That's a... Uh, uh, I, I could go on a long rant about university IT departments, but they're already yeah. getting enough flack right now so i i don't feel any need to add to it i'll just say my wife is a professor and she sees things and he she sees things <laughs> and she complains to me about them so uh, so does your book cover any of the kind of like the TLS intercept appliances and the evils that they do? I briefly discuss them. One of the things I'm covering is using OpenSSLS client mm -hmm. to debug and troubleshoot a connection and, and to see what's really happening. And TLS 1.3 masquerades as TLS 1.2 so that it can get through middleware and interception boxes. 
Mm -hmm. which basically tells me that you can get stuff through these protective middleware devices. They're, they're, there's an awful lot of marketing snake oil there. Yeah. Because I just remember looking at using Squid, the web proxy, yes. to, to do it. And, like, you know, you had to have uh, a certificate authority or some delegated one uh, from something that all the clients would trust yes. for Squid to sign stuff. But you would have the problem of it would sign a certificate that wasn't valid. So if you go to a website and the certificate's not valid, but Squid would sign it with its own certificate and present a valid one to the user, they're hiding that evil from them, whether it was because it was expired or because it was just a self-signed certificate. Yep. Uh, and I remember, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours makes an appliance that actually uses two different certificates, one that's purposely self-signed and will keep the self-signed error when it does the intercept. Yep. There's... <sighs> We so all, much evil. Yes, so much evil, so much we all want security. I mean, I, I, I start the book with griping about the word security because security is the, is the thing I really hate about IT. And, and not the practice of security, but the actual word. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't mean anything. Not Security <laughs> is like this this happy fun land where everybody can eat hot fudge sundaes all day, every day, and never grain an ounce and not have any health problems. It it keeps you perfectly safe and totally is not inconvenient and requires no education. Mm -hmm. I I really loathe that word. And what's really interesting is TLS is actually like mostly two other sides of the triangle, right? Yes. It's, it's about keeping stuff confidential and authenticating the person you're talking to. Yes. And not really about security. It's not. I'm trying. One of my challenges to myself for this book is I'm trying to write everything except the introduction without using the word security. Oh. Mm -hmm. Because it, it really is meaningless here. It, it's a general word, and I need to be specific. Mm -hmm. yep. And how far are you with the book? Like, in, like, how much is left to write? I'm done with all of the horrible theory stuff. I'm just so starting... the first 80% is done and you yes. just have the second 80% to go. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, but what's left is stuff like working with Acme, uh, setting up the, the, the three different challenges you can use with that and when you should use each. And that, it, that is sysadmin documentation. It's, it's a lot easier than trying to break down exactly why X509 does the thing that it does. Why TLS 1.3 behaves this way. Uh, sometimes the, the pet answer is insufficient. Hmm. A, a lot of people would tell me that, you know, 
these things happen because standards bodies are corrupt. And as a sysadmin, I get that sentiment. I really do. But I've got to dig deeper and find out why something behaves in a way. And then I have to explain it without going to, without going to the default explanation because computers were a mistake and everything is terrible. <laughs> yeah, we should all be alpaca farmers. We should. We really should. Because, yeah, we've had to do some evil things with Acme with hosting the, the video streaming. We have many servers that need the certificates, and sometimes they need certificates for domains that we don't control. Ooh. Uh, so weird proxy statements to bring that well-known address back to the central key server that will then do the Acme bits, whereas for our own domains, we will do it with DNS. Uh, but, you know, we can't do that when it's other people's domains. Right. And, and, you know, we don't get to make them use a registrar that has a good API. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there are so many... <sighs> so many hacks already around Acme. I mean, I, I love the idea. I'm, I'm glad that it exists not just because I now have 15 certificates for a bunch of really tiny domains I run. Mm -hmm. Yep, they made the process very simple and approachable yes. for the rest of us. Yes. And I definitely agree with the, I, you know, at first I thought it was evil, but in the end, doing the very short expiration thing uh, and forcing you to automate it instead of just do it once a year was actually... Uh, you know, forcing you to do the right thing, even if you didn't want to. Yes, yes. Well, and it, it's, it's not just for automation. The shorter your certificate lifetime, the, the more, I, I, I hate to use this after just ranting about the word, but the more secure it is. Well, it, it shortens that life cycle for them to change what the requirements are. Right. Like they wanted to say, hey, we're not going to have any certificates that are more than two years in issuance to try to deal with the problem of, well, we have certificates that are three years out of their five-year lifetime, but are using a tech we'd like to deprecate, but we can't deprecate anything because that certificate is still valid. Right. Uh, and then it's like, we have to decide X years ahead of time that at this date, you can't, you have to stop issuing certificates that use the old thing, but... The ones that have been issued are still valid until some further time, and it gets really far into the future. Whereas if you do this short expiration time, you can say that, you know, all Let's Encrypt certificates issued after six months from now will use this new thing, and we won't have a long tail of people using the old thing still. Yes. And then if you have uh, things like certificate revocation, have you ever revoked a non- a non-ACME certificate? Once? It's very difficult to truly have the old certificate not be valid for some part of clients. 
clients are supposed to check the revocation list. They don't always. One, because the revocation list can be huge and you have to yes. download the whole thing and compare it and mm. it doesn't make sense on a phone. Yes. And so they came up with this online status protocol. But then both of these systems can be denial of service. Exactly. So the shorter your certificate is, the shorter the certificate lives, the more control you have over it and the shorter the window for conniving. I've been looking at a lot of certs and there are banks out there that have certificates that are good for less than 24 hours. And they renew their cert every few hours and push it out. Mm -hmm. You know, that means that if somebody does compromise the private key, they only get this small window of data instead of everything. Right. And, and that is a, a far more, that boosts the confidentiality. So, so dealing with things like that and what the chain of trust really is, it's this, this whole tangled web of what the heck. Uh, and, and explaining all of this really is the difficult part of this book. Hmm. Once you have all that down, configuring an Acme client and, and kicking your DNS server or, or seeing if your application supports ALPN to do Acme verification directly over TLS or what have you, all of that's comparatively straightforward. Mm, that's the fun part at the end, yeah. Yes. Yes, now that we've broken your brain, here's how you do the cool sysadmini bits. <laughs> that you actually wanted to know about. <laughs> yes, yeah. But there are... Uh, again, people pay me to, to break down the horrible things into comprehensible bits and make them slightly amusing. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if we don't pay you enough for all that suffering you go through. Uh, <laughs> I will always take more money. I mean, <laughs> don't don't get me wrong, but I yeah. also wouldn't. I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I, I was able to uh, make a living at it. Mm. Well, that's a good segue to the the other little book. Other little book. Oh, the yeah. cash flow for creatives. Yeah, I wrote a book on how I make a living. Ah, so you uh, exposed your business plan, basically. I exposed my, not exactly my business plan, but how I handle money. Ah, yeah, more about the, the operational it, side of it. The, how to yes. actually? Because business is about cash flow. And it all turns out people, it's important. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I've, I've failed at many businesses. And I've watched a whole bunch of dot-coms fail, and I've, I've learned great amounts of what not to do. And it, it turns out that business is about money, but a business, once you have a few basics down, 
running a small business is not that hard. The problem is if you go pick up a business book, they are written for people who want to open a Subway franchise or they want to have a hundred employees. And if, if you want to run a tiny business, like uh, uh, any sort of creative business, there's nothing out there that tells you how to set up the business and how to manage the money. And it, it turns out I released this at exactly the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah, this, you never this know. This came out at the, the very beginning of the pandemic. And nobody has any money. The, the good news is... Um, following the model in that book actually worked. I, I already had a disaster plan in place. And because of that, I, I survived. Oh. The bills are paid. Uh, we, we were able to implement a, a, a minimal level of spending immediately. So if you're running a small business or if you just want to know how I do it, uh, that book is how. And the, the good news is that my, my business has picked up. It's not where it was in 2019. But compared to how a lot of people are doing, uh, I really can't complain. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear. I mean, I, I suppose I could complain, but it would sound really petty and pathetic. Uh, so if, if, if you have any interest, the, the cash flow for creators is out there, and I hope it helps you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic for people who want to start something or like I mean the YouTube generation or the the podcaster I don't know why I came up with that but <laughs> you oh, know oh, what yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely hmm. say so a business is not about how you do when things are well it's about how you handle how you prepare for things to go bad if you look even at, at big businesses here in the US when Delta Airline, when the pandemic first hit and everybody stopped flying, the first thing that Delta Airlines did was go to the government and say, we need $10 billion or whatever, just mm. to stay awake for the next month. <laughs> and as little guys, we can't do that. Uh, not in these amounts, yeah. And, and the truth is, if... If any big airline was to financially implode, somebody else who had more cash on hand would snap up the assets and the employees and the business, and life would go on. Uh, they really are too big. They're either too big to fail or too big to not be taken over. Mm, Your little right. podcasting business uh, needs... Well, one, I'm going to say it's a lot more important than any stupid global airline. 
<laughs> so that'll be fun. Uh, and two, you have to be a lot more prepared than those big companies. Sure, yeah. And in a way, it's it's kind of a thing that a sysadmin type would always like have in the back of their head. What could go wrong? What could I do to kind of mitigate that? And oh, so absolutely. in a business, it's kind of yeah. the same, right? It's just a different side of thing. It's cash flow that you take care of, not the, it, the rate or something. It is very, very similar. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, a different type of disaster recovery plan. Yes, yes, exactly. And and it, it will actually, doing things this way actually helps my family run better. And that's a nice thing. Okay, so this book is out and people can buy this? It's yep. available? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Good. in the okay. stores right now. Okay. Then we'll have a, a link in the show notes. Yep, then people can uh, buy some reading for the holidays. Um, and there's a book sale in general going on that you... Yes. Well, I'm, I'm doing something I swore I would never do. I am... Every time I come out with a book, I buy a few extra. And usually I'll take them to conferences or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a book from me or I send them to reviewers or what have you. And all of that has come to a complete grinding halt. So I have these stacks of books here that are taking up space. <laughs> and I yep. need to get rid of them. Because you want to get out of that room you're in. I, I would, yes. And I, I have more <laughs> books coming in that I've written and and... The, the piles really are dreadful. Mm -hmm. So I am doing a direct sale of books. Uh, the day that this show goes live, I'll have a web page. I'll get you the link for that. You can look on there. I'm, I'm not hacking up my web store to support automatic shipping and inventory and all that because it would take me forever to undo. Mm. But take a look at the list. Send me an email of what you'd want. It's I'll send you a quote, including shipping. Um, dump money either in my tip jar or through PayPal, and I will ship you the books. It's first come, first served. I'm not restocking. If it's not on the list, I don't have it. And uh, I'll happily sign your book. If you're really a completist, I even have some very old stuff that uh, I whacked the price in half uh, because I'd, I'd like to make something, but you know, a first edition of Absolute BSD is not really worth much. Uh, but if you're a completist and you want it, it's there. So... If you want to get a, a signed book this year, this is how you have to do it. I'm sorry, I'm not leaving the house. Y'all got cooties. But yes, you know, with missing BSD can and Euro BSD con and right. everything else in between, there's really been no chances to do any of that. 
No. Nope. Uh, and so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we can we can help you. I'm sure there will be people interested in that. That would be lovely because I'd I'd like some of this shelf space back. <laughs> people yeah. want to have something to read while they're also staying at home. And I <laughs> I really. I doubt I will be at any conferences next year. It's going to take a while if, if these vaccines work out, which I hope they do. Just getting them deployed and administered to enough people uh, is going to take time. And I am not an essential service. I sure, mean, I'd, yeah. I'd like to see people too, yeah. but for me to travel would be irresponsible. So... And, you know, we know BSD can is already canceled at this point because right. they, there wasn't going to be enough certainty to bother trying to, to organize anything. And right. like you said, it's definitely going to be the second half of next year before there's even the possibility of anything. Right. And that is hmm. pretty unlikely at this point. And, and if everything goes beautifully, I am not lugging seven copies of Absolute Free BSD to Vienna. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm dubious on even lugging me. And I, I have this pile of books weighs more than I do. Thank you very much. So there, there's your chance. If you jump on it, I can probably get them to you before Christmas. Ah, oh, that's a good uh, outcome. Yeah, I think that a lot mm -hmm. of people will still look for Christmas presents, and that could be one that you're... Uh, uh, could be under the Christmas tree, right? Could be. So, you, if you want something like you know, brain melting S and MP horror under your Christmas tree, this is your chance. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, people like this kind of stuff. It's something, something special for the holidays. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and because. A lot of people are staying at home and they might as well brush up on their knowledge a little bit. And then when at some yeah. future point they go back, then they have all this knowledge in their head still. And then they can apply it in their own networks or on well, their I, own systems. From what I've seen, a lot of us techie sorts are still working. We're just yeah, we kind of time. do. I mean, networks are still there that don't get infected yep. with, with viruses of the humankind. And yep. so yeah, if, if people have to work from home, they, they need the network and the VPN to work. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure like Alan, I'm sure you have many remote employees. Uh, I, I know the, the plague has probably hit you, but you've got folks working from home and not your basement. Exactly. There's nobody, nobody's been to my house since February. Oh, he's huh? quiet. Can get can get lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I remember at the beginning of the thing. Eventually, by like May or something, I I had to go to the bank. Something had to be done in person, and I realized it was the first time I put pants on since the pandemic started. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, congratulations, sir. Yeah, we remembered before leaving the house. That's the important bit. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Well, this this is. It, it, it's been a strange year. I mean, it has. Mm -hmm. initially, sure. I was along, my, my thoughts were, well, I'm, I'm glad that the extroverts can see what it feels like to be an introvert in their noisy world. 
Um, but it's gone enough. It's gone on long enough now that I'm. I'm almost ready to leave the house for some reason. Not quite, but almost. Not for very long. Not for very but... long. But yeah. I, I could handle, you know, having lunch with some people or something. Mm-hmm. It's a welcome distraction nowadays. Yeah. Or it, yes, occasionally. Yes. Yeah. But no, just a little while longer. Hopefully. So do you have any future book plans at this point? Or are you just trying to well, finish everything? I have... Uh, I have a, a TLS will hopefully be out early next year. I, I'm going to take another run at writing Get Sank Murder. Hopefully ah. in December. I wasn't going to nag you about it. Well, but I'm very excited. The, the combination of 2020 made it very difficult. We've had some good news recently that make it a little more believable that we will again have a conference one day. Yes. Well, at this point, I just want to live through a conference vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm shooting to write that hopefully in December. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I, oh, I have a new novel coming out in December called Drinking Heavy Water. It's a bright and cheerful far future SF. Uh, it's if any of the listeners have read the Montague Portal stuff, it's in that. So that's coming. I, I found it much easier to write something set hundreds of years from now when all of this is a historical footnote and nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw some video apparently from the German government or whatever. Oh, yes. That was like one of those... Uh, World War Two interviews with a oh, veteran. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like ninety, whatever he's talking about, the winter of twenty twenty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> those he's lying well on the couch. And... <laughs> yes. Wait, we were yes, heroes. Yes. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how the documentaries are, typically yeah. about that. <laughs> and it's it's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And and. I know a lot of people are, well, let's just say the techies have it really soft and a lot of people are really, really being done over badly because mm, they sure. can't do their job from the couch. Yep. that's And, and that's some impossible. countries are dealing with that better than others. Not that I'm holding up a mirror or anything like that. Yeah, the, these are things that are pretty much new to anyone so they all try the best to do or think they do yes. the best and but there's no like oh if we have to use it this way then it will work better than the other way we're all kind of experimenting at this point and in various degrees we're successful and sometimes we're not true anyway anyway yeah okay so this is basically your your plan for the next year or so far we can look ahead and and then we'll see what I'm. Uh, I probably I I need to do a revision of the DNS sent book. Mm. 
uh, and then I'm looking at writing some small OpenBSD books. Because I haven't written about file systems in like a year. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't yeah. know how I've survived not writing another file system book. <laughs> well, uh, there's the, the 9PFS stuff for for passing a file system into a, a beehive and the uh, evils that that entails. Uh, <laughs> it's a kind of weird pseudo file system. Uh, my life I mean, is still worth living. <laughs> so I'm going to pass. <laughs> it was worth okay. a try. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you very much, Michael, and uh, we'll let you get back to work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Stay I gotta safe. make some words. You too. And mm -hmm. I hope to see you all at BSDCAN 2022. I guess, yeah. We, we aim to be there, yeah. <laughs> if it I happens. I suspect we're all just going to stand around the big hall looking at each other going, wow, you're real. You have three <laughs> dimensions. Yeah, we. <laughs> I didn't. I, I I had started to forget that that was a thing. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you. You too. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you, Michael. This week's episode of BSD Now was sponsored by our friends at Tarsnap, the only secure online backup you can trust your with your data. Even paranoids need backups. If you head over to tarsnap.com/bsdnow, you can sign up uh, to start doing backups. It's pay-as-you-go, so you just put some money in and start doing your backups, uh, and you'll get a warning when you've used up that money, and you can put in some more. This is really nice because it doesn't automatically charge you ever, and you have complete control over how much money you spent. Unlike many cloud services, it's not going to run up a big bill without uh, and to surprise you, and it's not going to automatically renew constantly, uh, billing you forever when you didn't want it. But we're sure once you try it, you'll fall in love with it. It's so easy to do the backups. You can just cron tab one tarsnap command and magic happens. Because it deduplicates and compresses the data before it uploads it, it saves as much bandwidth as possible uh, and as much storage. And since you only pay for the final blocks, which are deduplicated, compressed, and encrypted, it means that you know, it's as inexpensive as it can be uh, and it saves bandwidth. So it's possible to use it on a laptop, even on the road. Not that anybody's on the road anymore. Anyway, head over to tarsnap.com slash now and check it out. Uh, it is the best way to do your online backups. All right. But uh, since Michael Lucas took up basically this interview episode, um, and so we don't have any specific questions and comments, otherwise this episode would be half an hour longer. So we ask you to send us feedback. There will be feedback in the future, of course. So don't forget about it. Um, but if you have anything that uh, should be in this episode or in our upcoming, hopefully, uh, Christmas episode, we plan to do interviews um, with ourselves. So you can send us questions to those, anything that you always wanted to ask us. Send all of these things to feedback at bsdnow.tv and then we'll have material for a new episode. Yes, um, we're very much looking forward to uh, taking it easy over the holidays. So if you could get your questions in for our interview episode, that would be great. Mm -hmm. So just anything you've ever wanted to ask uh, Benedict or I, or even JT, uh, and basically we'll interview each other with your questions, 
uh, and release that as the special Christmas episode. Exactly. And that way you can look forward to a future episode with us and know a couple of things uh, that you always wanted to know about us <laughs> or the things that we do. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you and see you next week.